Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the Jamie Sports News Podcast. I am Ben Conway, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's a fantastic Wednesday. I'm a little thrown off with us recording on Wednesday, but you know, all day I've been preparing for arguably the biggest flag football game of my entire life, so I'm ready. Well, the lighting is hitting you magnificently. Yeah, golden hour. <laughs> Well, good luck to you. Good luck to you out there today. Thanks. I've, I've been stretching my quads all day. Oh, tomorrow, you got to stay loose out there. That's arguably the most important thing you can do. Yeah, I know everyone wants to hear about my flag football adventure, so I'll keep talking about it here. Um, there was a game where I felt like I nearly tore my quad tendon or whatever it is right off the bone. That was fun. That'd be tough. You know what else is fun? Visiting Three Notched and Harrisonburg. Look at that. Segue. They pay us the big bucks for these ad reads. Jack, they have the Fresh Beer Club. You can find out more at threenotchbrewing.com. They have First Tap Fridays, exclusive releases every Friday. That's unbelievable what they're doing down there. That's or insane. Up there for you. Yeah, I guess it's over there. Over there. Insane stuff. You got to get over there. You can get yourself a cool hat like the one I'm wearing. Yeah. Um, great beers. What's your favorite Three Notch beer? Oh, man. That's a great question. Anything that has mile in it, right? So any of those <laughs> those sort of basics that they have are good. And can I say Biggie? What is it? Biggie S'mores? Is that what it was? You like Biggie S'mores? Can I give that an honorary shout out right now as my temporary favorite? Because it was uh, it was it was one that I expected to be really not good. And it's one that surprised me so much that... You know what? Right now, February 15th, that's my number one. Really? But I don't think I could drink like a six pack of that <laughs> due to like my yeah. own personal preferences. But for one beer, you need one beer right now. I would drink that. All right. Good to know. Interesting. What would you pick? What's your favorite? Uh, Emperor of Clouds. That's a great one. Yeah. Nice little IPA, a little hazy action. Good, good any day of the week. You know what else is good any day of the week? Betting on sports. Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds and team matchup info with player news and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first first deposit. For all first-time depositors, if you deposit say $200, Bet Online will hook you up with $100 in free bets. So essentially you're getting $300 for the price of two. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's promo code B-L-E-A-V, to get that 50% welcome bonus when you sign up at betonline.ag, where the game starts. Heck yeah, brother. What an exciting time to be to be here, you know? What an exciting I can really time. tell in your voice. I think this five- I was looking through, I was looking through uh, <laughs> untaps and three-notch beers. I feel like, do they only have one? Is it only 40 mile? And I was confusing Minuteman as mile. Because that's another one that I like. I thought, for I some reason, I thought eight, they had no, another. I think you're going to confuse with Devil's Backbone. Gasp. Because they have like the eight buck or like 16 I was buck. thinking, I was picturing the orange can in my head also being mile. But that's that's the Minuteman. They also just rebranded their cans for Minuteman. So you're really? looking at your local I was Wegmans. Looking, I was looking at the small batch they have right now. The Green Dragon, some sort of Shire Ale. I'd be right in my alley. And they have a salt and pepper sour. What? What? All right. Are we going to the Louisiana game? Yeah, sorry. For men's basketball? uh, I'll I'll give them a second here. Oh, the Dukes back. No. You don't think the Dukes are back? Okay. I'll sum it up here before we dive into our thoughts on this men's basketball team. 
a weekend that was primed to go 2-0 in away basketball. I know. I know what you're going to tell me, Bennett. Jack, it's hard to win on the road in college basketball. Look, I get it. But you're coming off of a fantastic stretch, and then you go into the weekend, and you go 1-1. One and one, And arguably, that Coastal game, is it rude of me to say they shouldn't have won? They did, though. I feel like that's huge. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. So, But but at the end of the day, they were staring an 0-2 yes. weekend down in the face. Before we kind of dive into the games itself, I do want to ask you a question because this just kind of populated into my mind as I was explaining to that. Explaining that. The way they have these games set up, Thursday, Saturday, it's boom, boom, right? And you go for a yeah. full week without doing anything, and then it's boom, boom. To you, does it feel like it's we like you don't get much momentum going? Like it's weekend to weekend, where when they had won what like five of six, in my mind they had gone two weekends in a row going two and zero. Oh. I understand, I guess, the competitive thought of like everybody plays Thursday, everybody plays Saturday. Kind of sucks from like a viewing perspective, where it's like nothing happens Sunday through Wednesday. Like just nothing happens in what the women are also Thursday. Yeah. It, Cause in Saturday. CAA, they did something very similar where it was like, yeah. you guys play on these days, but I think it was men Thursday, women Friday, men yes. Saturday, women yeah. Sunday. So like, but, but my, my point is more so like in my mind as someone who watches every game and, and dives into everything like that, to me, it feels like it's less cohesive as a season and it's more weekend stretches. Like, can you go 2-0 and this weekend? And then when they did yeah. have that really good stretch where they were four, winning five of their last six or whatever that stretch was before this weekend, it, it felt – it didn't feel like they had that momentum. It felt like they had put together a few good weekends. But in my mind, I wasn't like, oh, wow, dating back to four weeks ago, they've won a lot. I don't like it at all. I think they talked about – I want to say it was the DNR wrote about it, but I think they're going to change it for travel reasons. Cause like Thursday to Saturday apparently has just been hard. I think on, on kind of everyone where it's like, if you have two road games, like you're, it's just a lot of travel and like hard on your body to play Thursday. You get one day off. Yeah. It's a weird schedule. I like a Wednesday, Saturday maybe works more, but maybe it doesn't. Cause if you're right, if you're on a, like for JMU, they were Georgia Southern and coastal. I imagine they're not going, Georgia Southern Harrisonburg Coastal. I imagine they went Georgia Southern and then direct to Coastal, which if it's yeah. Wednesday, I don't know if you're spending like three days in Myrtle Beach. I'm sure the players would sign up for that one, but I don't think that was really how it would work. Yeah. And also with that one day off, like that's a, and Thursday games are almost always at night and Saturday yeah. games are almost like afternoon to late afternoon. So Georgia Southern, you assume you're finishing that game at nine. You're probably sleeping in the hotel that night waking up early Friday, flying or busing to your next spot, getting a quick practice in, eating, sleep, wake up, shoot around, game. It's just a lot. Yeah, it's it's the road trips are kind of ridiculous. So I'm excited that they had the last four at home. I think that's going to be huge. You mentioned the Coastal game being kind of ugly. It was. But them finding a way to win helped. I also think the fact that they don't play for a few days has sort of cleansed my brain. Right. There was a Super Bowl in between. There's <laughs> other college basketball. Tiger Woods is playing this week. So my sports brain's been flushed. So instead of thinking of how they sort of were underwhelming last week, and I'm like, yeah, I'm back in. Like they got some You're already in. back in. I'm not back in. I'm just Bennett. less negative than I was over the weekend. I'm still negative. I still have like little to no hope. You played Coastal Carolina, the worst team in defense in the Sun Belt. One of the worst team, one of the 30 worst teams. In all of Division One college basketball, there's 363 teams in Division One college basketball, and they're one of the 30 worst. And you struggled for 50 minutes of that game. Sorry, for 30 minutes of that game. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of overtimes, but it was, it was one. They were down five with like five minutes left, and they ended up winning by almost 10. So I'll give them that where they blitzed them at the end. But yes, it was it was disappointing. The shooting was not great. And that was kind of the same story against Georgia Southern where they didn't shoot the ball that well, even though they actually played some decent defense. And the score's kind of high there um, because they they play very fast. You got a lot of possessions. But like their defense has been fine. 
I think, yeah, Georgia Southern's like basically a point per possession, which won't kill you. So they, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're just, they kind of are what they are at this point, which is, yeah. it feels like they need some stuff to go their way in the conference tournament to win it. But they have a better chance than like eight or nine teams, maybe even 10. Yeah, I think there's still a strong potential that like, not a strong potential, but there's still a potential out there that they could win the Sun Belt tournament and things can go their way. But when you're watching it, it's just so evident that they need a big man. Yeah, I think that's the part that's probably the most frustrating, right? Is they have roster issues that we've talked about for a while that they just they uh, they didn't really address in the off season, which is probably um, you know if you're looking for a big picture concern or complaint, that's probably it. Yeah, I mean against Georgia Southern, it just felt like they couldn't defend inside. Jalen Finch in 27 minutes, he dropped how many points? Felt like I was hearing his name all the time. 18 points, but even worse, Andre Sabrasov, who was like, he's their 6'7 guy. Um, he dropped 22 on them. Carlos Curry, their 6'11 guy with Georgia Southern, dropped nine. It, it, it felt like, specifically the Georgia Southern game, because I, I know they won the Coastal game, but it was ugly. Um, especially against a team like Coastal, you should beat them a lot worse than that. Uh, but I'll get off that soapbox. It just feels like, man, in the pregame, I was listening to the Georgia Southern game on radio. Byington's like, all right, we know they have X, Y, and Z, and they're going to do this. And you know what exactly what they did? What Byington said. And you know what Georgia Southern did the entire game? What they wanted to do. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's him not having the guys he needs to play the defense to stop that type of offense. But we've seen it a few times. It was before the Coppin State game. He said, this is what they're going to do. These are their best players. This is who we have to stop. And I know it's so much easier said than done. When the Coppin State, they have a pretty damn good guard. And like it's hard to stop players who are really good. But it's just it's just so frustrating when you're like, yeah, the answer is a big man. Yeah, that's that's tough. I think like the other stuff that's tough is you look at just the overall body of work, and they've been playing pretty good of late. I think they've won. They have not to take anything away. They definitely have seven of their last nine. So seven and two in the last nine. Yeah, nine and five in conference. They're eighteen and nine overall. I think the part that's frustrating is the schedule is so easy. They have some pieces, but it's the kind of like losses they have that kind of. Drive me crazy. I was looking at it and like on the positive front, they only have one stretch this year is that like three game blip in conference play where they've lost consecutive games. So obviously that's, you know, you can't completely ignore that, but every other, like the North Carolina loss, they played a a non D one the next game, but like the one after that, they still won Uh, after Virginia, they picked up a couple, one of them, non D one, one of them against a terrible team, but like they didn't, (laughs) I understand that some of it's ridiculous, but like they followed up some of these losses, even conference losses here like Southern Miss, and then they bounce back with four in a row. Georgia Southern, they just beat Coastal, and now they're coming home. So they they seem to bounce back well, and they fight really hard, which I thought was impressive against Coastal. Like, they didn't have their best game, but they battled through and found a way to win, which was awesome. Yeah. So there's redeeming qualities to the team, which I think is is worth noting. It's just also frustrating that they've they've left some some wins on the table, I think, and it could have been a really special year. And instead, it feels like it's just like a, a decent year. Really, with that three-game stretch, Texas State, App State, and South Alabama, if you go two and one in those and then just flip those two one-point losses to wins, like I feel like this is a very different season we're talking about. I mean, like, it just – so, like, I think the Valpo and Toppin, like, really still get me. So, like, I was looking at at Valpo today. So, their, their wins after beating JMU in, in Ken Palm – it's non D one. This is the Ken Palm ranking of the teams: three twenty four, three thirty two, three forty four, two eighty six, two sixty eight, three forty four, two sixty eight. Like just they only beat abysmal teams, and, yeah. and JMU. Like yeah. that's what's frustrating. It's the same with Coppin State. Coppin State after playing JMU, their their record's absolutely comical. So they they won that game to get to five and nine. They're six and twenty now. So they've gone one in 11 since that. 
their one win was against South Carolina State, which is 340th in Ken Palm. Like they've just gotten annihilated by everyone else that they've played. They've only kept, what is it, two games within 10 points. And one of those games was against against Delaware State, which is one of the worst teams in college basketball. Like that's what's frustrating is like you have so many things going for you. And then you play a team like Coppin State where it's like if you just take care of business against horrendous teams, you're 20 and 7, you know? Yeah. Also something to point out that was apparent. I don't know how apparent it was in Coastal, but in Georgia Southern game, it was very apparent. They're they're just like cold stretches. There was a point in this, the Georgia Southern game that they had like a seven-minute stretch where they didn't score. And Georgia Southern went on like a 20-2 run. And JMU missed like bunny after bunny after bunny. And it, it took me back, and we were texting about it. It took me back to the UNC game when they were missing bunny after bunny after bunny. We're like, oh, the moment's gotten to them. This is It's because they're playing UNC. They see all the re- – like the moment's too big type of thing. And then I watched the Georgia Southern game, and I was like, oh, it just might be the team. Like, this might just be a thing that they do. It's just, like, miss uncontested layups. Yeah, it's not a great thing to have. And UNC sucks. So it's <laughs> uh, it's pretty frustrating on a lot of different accounts. But the, the season's not over yet, so I wanted to get to a couple questions here. because We had some questions, mostly from Dom. But Dom <laughs> had a good one about the men's team. Outside of winning the conference tournament, what would allow Jamie fans to deem the men's season as a success down the stretch? Double by one win. So a double by gets you into the quarterfinal. Yeah. And then you can then one win gets you into semis. Now, if you get into the semis without the double by and you win two games to get there, I think it's still a success. But I also kind of want to see that regular season success too. Yeah, that'd be nice. I think the the double bye, which they're in position to get it currently, they got four games left home against Old Dominion, Louisiana, Marshall, and Georgia State. So you got four big ones at home. You hope you can get at least two of those. But yeah, I mean, that would give you 20 wins. Good chance at a double bye. To go three and one, you got 21 wins, a double bye, realistically. And you're uh, you're right there for a, maybe a little conference tournament run, which is I think that's an okay step this year, even though I had higher expectations earlier. Yeah. Also, do I, do you, do I, should I hype you up a little bit here? Should I get you excited? Yeah, you can, you can attempt. Okay. So here we go. This men's team has Marshall and Louisiana left. Mm-hmm. They're both one game ahead of JMU. There's a, there's a possibility if JMU can handle its business which every time we expect them to, they don't. Every time they pull you in, they, they, they push you away. But here's an opportunity. Go out and win these final four games. You're probably the two seed in the Sunbelt Tournament. And by probably, you are the two seed in the Sunbelt Tournament. That's the part that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the part <laughs> okay, that's... Okay. Uh, the part that's hard to kind of get on board with is just like, if you do this, which they've had so many chances this year, like <laughs> if you do this, the momentum would be crazy, right? The vibe around the program would be nuts. Now, I think it's a little more exciting because a lot of the times when they've had those, they've sort of blown it not in the AUBC. I know the Texas State one and App State were home losses, but you look, other than that, they've been pretty good at home this year and like, Valpo and Coppin State were either neutral or on the road, yeah. Georgia Southern on the road. So like they played well at home. The crowds are coming back out, right? Because what yeah. the other one that January 5th, January 7th students aren't there. So like home, it was like a library. So <laughs> I think you've got a pretty good atmosphere. Go make it happen. Like, yeah. yeah, I'll buy in, but you have to actually do it one of these times. I can't just keep being like, We're, look at what they could do. Like at some point they got to go out and do it. So JMU's best win this season against numbers according to Ken Palm was against Marshall who is 74th in Ken Palm right now okay. their next best win came against Troy who's 130 in Ken Palm their final four games two of them are against teams that are a Ken Palm of 103 or better and then the other one's 171 I don't know where I was going with this Old Dominion's 171 and Georgia State's 245 two I, I guess this is where I'm getting at get, getting at with it two very very winnable games 
and two games that are also winnable. Like this isn't, you're not going through a murderer's row of the sun. This isn't Southern Miss four times. They're this is like this is three sub 100 Ken Palm teams. Go ahead. They're Louisiana Marshall are solid teams. ODU is not horrible. So like they're they would be good. Like I would be happy about these yeah. teams. But they're also like you're saying. You know, it's not Alabama's not walking through the door. Tennessee's not coming in. Tennessee's going to beat the league crap. Honestly, by the way. Honestly, but, though, uh, I'd rather Tennessee come in because we might get, be able to get a buzzer beater win. Yeah, you get like a ridiculous buzzer beater against them. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, it's not overwhelming. It would be so cool if they could enter the conference tournament with some momentum. And I even think like three and one gives you some momentum here down the stretch. So we'll see if they can do it. I'd like to see them go in confident, playing well in that final stretch. It would be cool to see them, you know, be a dangerous team in the conference yeah. tournament. And it's yeah. just, Every time I get sucked in, they go against give up that 18 0 run against Georgia Southern. It's like, what? What's going on here? With countless attempts to break that streak. And I think I heard Dave Rigert call four uncontested layups that were missed. Yeah, it was a tough one. There's there's no doubt. Yeah. Well, that leads us into this week's three notch weekly preview. Duke's host, Old Dominion and Louisiana this weekend. They played at ODU just a few short weeks ago where JMU won 78-73 to in a very good game that saw them jump out to a large lead, and then ODU fought back into it. Since then, ODU has rattled off three straight wins, and they've won five of their last six. They are in a spot, too, with JMU. If they win out, if they can go 3-1 and one or something like that down the stretch, they, too, are playing for a double bye. This is an ODU team that started kind of slow. We, I don't think a lot of us had a lot of hopes. They lost to 315 Arkansas State, lost to Coastal Carolina. But as of late, they've started to rattle things off. They've climbed up Ken Palm a bit. And Jeff Jones has the Monarchs set for a solid run. JMU is going to have its hands full against an old rival. And then on Saturday, Louisiana comes to town. Louisiana's dropped their last two games, but they're taking on Louisiana Monroe on Thursday before heading to Harrisonburg to take on JMU. Louisiana's pretty good, man. Louisiana <laughs> opened the season 5-0, and then rattled off six straight, no, five straight wins after losing to Drake. So they're sitting at 10-1. and They're 10-4 and in conference. They're, they're pretty good. It's left the door. It, 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 their two losses, though, have now left the door open for JMU to catapult into that second spot in the Sun Belt. They're led by Jordan Brown, Themis Folks, Greg Williams, Terrence Lewis. Greg Williams and Terrence Lewis both have an offensive rating top 45 in the nation. What does JMU have to do to win these games? Yeah, it's an interesting little weekend for the Dukes where you got the ODU game where Old Dominion doesn't shoot it that well. I was looking, they've won four road games in a row, and I was like, that's amazing. Look at the Monarchs go. And then I looked at the margins. Two-point win, three-point win, one-point win, two-point win. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like you're getting a little lucky there. So I think JMU's going to take care of business Thursday with a raucous crowd at home against the team that they're better than. Saturday, I think it's got a chance to be a shootout. Louisiana's got a top 45 offense, according to Ken Palm. <laughs> they shoot the crap out of the ball. They've got a couple guys that are like 40-plus percent. That's one, like, if you're JMU, you're at home, you can score two, you play fast, like, hang around and put up a fight in that game, force some turnovers, try to get in transition a little bit and see if you can win a shootout. I think one and one would not kill you this weekend, but it's it's a good opportunity to get two, especially if you can get that first one, obviously. If you lose it, it's hard to get two if you lose the first one. So you got you to gotta get that first one. Do that and try to get a little momentum going. I do like that they get Louisiana at home because that's a team I think with a legitimate crowd can maybe get a little intimidated and maybe shoot just a bit below their, their average. Louisiana undefeated at home in Sunbelt play. Their four losses on the road have all come on the road, I should say. Their their schedule has also been very weird in conference play. Started off with two away games, home-home, then four straight away. Home-home, home-home, away-away, home-away. Just very – just looks weird when you're looking at it like as a whole um something i worry about 
with Louisiana specifically. JMU's defense tends to let you take the three. They're 36 in the nation in three-point percentage. So if they come in with kind of that same defensive mindset where we're going to guard the heck out of the paint when you send like an entry pass, we're going to get our hands in there, we're going to turn you over that way. If they let them just throw the ball around the outside, I don't know if JMU has a chance to hang it, hang in with him. It's going to be fascinating too because Louisiana's got two guys who have made – this is against Division One teams – two guys who have made at least 43s. Both of them shoot over 40% from three. Nobody else on the team has made more than 25. So you have Greg Williams and Kendrell Garnett who are just jacking threes and hitting them <laughs> at a very high rate, which is like, oh, I wonder what that's like. Because the first <laughs> part is the first part's pretty relatable. But <laughs> the second part, maybe not quite as much as a Jamie fan. So that'll be interesting if they can maybe key in somehow on those two and, and slow them down a little bit. That's a big-time test, and then the Marshall game uh, next week will be a big test, too. So they've got some fun ones coming up, but great opportunities to make something happen. I don't know if you mentioned this, too, that they're the second-best three-point shooting team in the Sun Belt and the worst defending the three. I think it's got a chance to be a really <laughs> fun game in terms of just, like, a ton of points. If J- Here's the thing. If Jamie can score more points, they could win this game. If JMU hits their shots, it'll be fun. But this, this seems like the game plan that Friedel and Morse and Molson all have been waiting for all season where Biden is going to sit down in the locker room pregame and just go, boys, jack them. And like they may finish with like 30 plus attempts from three. Now, if they're hitting them, it'd be fun. I don't think yeah. at that. <laughs> Louisiana also fouls a ton, which is like, so they might be going to the line a lot. There's a, there's a chance it's like an exceptionally frustrating game for JMU fans where they're just like getting in the line constantly. They're getting good looks from three and they're just missing them. If they make them, I think they have a chance to look like, like people will buy in again. If, if Jamie actually has a good shooting game against Louisiana, yeah. because they're going to get very good looks, I think consistently throughout that game. Yeah. All right. Do we want to move on over to the women's side? Let's do it. After a weird few weekends, JMU came back home against Louisiana and Arkansas State and picked up a six-point win against Louisiana and a 23-point win, 13-point win against Arkansas State. <laughs> the gear's turning. <laughs> doing that math. Um, are, are they back? Oh, I didn't even see your, your lower third. Are they back? I think they might be back, you know? Why not? I think they're back. In their 13-point win against Arkansas State, they had Kiki go for 22, Kozlova go for 17, and Jermon, who is a name I haven't seen at the top of a box score for a while. But then Hazel got the start with Kobe king Hawaii. Coach O was talking about how he was changing up the starting rotations. Really glad he's doing it so late in the season. I, too, always say you can really just throw a wrench in everything at the latest possible moment. You have to do that. Peyton got 19 minutes off the bench. Love seeing Steph Odekirk getting 23 minutes off the bench. Uh, Williams and Goodman and Claire Neff with only four minutes. Yeah, back-to-back games with only four minutes. It's interesting. I was saying while you were gone that last week I was – complaining or pointing out the three-point defense was an issue yeah they held their two opponents this week to six of 36 from three which is 16 percent. that's not really sustainable in terms of how low it was but it's a nice bounce back from giving up like 50 percent from three somewhere in the yeah. middle i think gives them a chance if they're playing good d they'll have chances so you were right with what you said last week when you said there's no way this is sustainable it'll come back down to earth not only did it come back down to earth it crashed down like a meteor like the UFOs that were shot down this last weekend or the Chinese spy balloon. Folks, what is going on in our skies? <laughs> Who knows, man? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're coming back. I still think um, they're kind of waiting on a really efficient performance from Kiki Jefferson that they haven't quite had. Now, she hits a lot of free throws and gets to the free throw line, which makes her performances more efficient and rebounding wise, she's been great. But in terms of shooting, she was 7 of 30 over the weekend. They won both. But that feels like one, if you're going to win the Sun Belt Championship, I think you're going to need like 
40 to 50 percent shooting from Jefferson in a, in a game or two that are that really matter. I don't know if you necessarily need it from her, but I think you need it from everyone else if she's not efficient. Yes. Like Peyton McDaniel went two of nine against Arkansas State, and they still won by double digits. But you want to see that be like four of nine, five of nine. Kozlova went eight of 14, which is like head scratchingly low for her. Still pretty good. It is. It is. But like, we're spoiled because there was a point she was going like 12 of 13, <laughs> yeah, which is also unattainable, like for an entire season. But I also say eight of 14 because like 99.9% of her shots are from two feet in. Yeah, they're all, but she's not taking a three if things are going, going according to plan. She also never gets fouled. Went to the foul line once. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. She just like pivots in there and gets herself but, some looks. Can't but yeah, you need it. someone. You need like one or two other people to be efficient if Kiki's not going to be efficient. Absolutely. And they've got huge games against Texas State and Old Dominion this week, both on the road, which is very hard. We'll see. I mean, I think a split there is honestly not bad because they're still in that mix. They're They're weirdly in the mix to win the league, but could also get like the five seed. So it's... I did want to say, because I haven't said this in the past, I feel like we've kind of, or at least I have kind of ragged on Sunbelt basketball. Very compelling races in the men's and women's basketball uh, seasons this year, which I'm impressed by. Oh, wow. Would you look at that? Yeah, so JMU 10-4 and four in a three-way tie for second place. Troy 11-3. and three. Mind you, JMU has the head-to-head over Troy. So if Troy loses one more and JMU wins out, JMU is the one seed. Comma, if JMU loses one to two more games, there is a potential they fall from top four to five. Slash could even free fall more because right right beneath them, it's nine. If you lose a game, you're looking at not a top four. A lot of pressure here, especially with road games against <laughs> Texas State and ODU, which are both 10-4. and four. So it's it's a massive week for them. If you get one, it puts you in a decent spot. If you don't get any, it's like, oh, you're clinging on for, for dear life there at the end of the season. You fall – if you lose both, you fall drastically down to first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. A tie for seventh. I will say the last week is easier where it's at App State and then home against Marshall. Marshall's got a solid team, but App's not great. So, like, that's reasonably 2-0 and the final week possible. So, if you if you split <laughs> this week, you're 3-1, and one, you, what, 13-5, and five, I think, gets you a double buy. I feel pretty comfortable with that. And if you lose two, I think you're looking at, like, a six seed. They could still sneak in. It just you're gonna need a little more help than what you were hoping for. That's for sure. Yeah, as of right now, you need no help. Just go out and do it. Do what you need to do. Go out and do it. I'm excited about them. Disappointing that they don't get those uh, this many home games to end the season. They had kind of a weird schedule where they were a little bit front loaded with that. Yeah. So that's not easy. And uh, Texas to Norfolk's not like a perfect trip either. I don't know why they. I guess the Texas State one just kind of sucks with whoever you have after that. But that seems particularly challenging. It's like, oh, hey, go play Texas State Thursday at 8 o'clock and then play ODU Saturday at 2 o'clock, and the games mean everything to the standings. Like, (laughs) cool. (laughs) Yeah. Did we have any other questions? Oh, Dom had a women's question, and then we had a spring sports question, so good call there. His women's basketball question I think was very similar to the men's. Yeah. If the women's team doesn't win the conference tournament, but it makes the final. Is there any sort of round expectation in the WNIT to make this season feel like a win? Look, I'm tired of the WNIT. <laughs> okay. Like, it's cool. I'll root for them. I'll watch the games. I'll be into it. But at the same time, I'd much rather tune into the NCAA tournament round one and watch them get clapped by 25. <laughs> so, like, if they make a WNIT, if they get to the WNIT, which also isn't a guarantee, they have a I couple... Think that's right, yeah. There are a couple black eyes there, because they're probably not going to be the regular season champion, so they're not going to get the auto bid. And then, I think there's probably a few other schools that are going to get offers. Well, they're, like the, they're like the sixth seed, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, 
the WNIT is not guaranteed. So if they do make it in, like, I don't expect a deep run from them in the WNIT either. Like, to me, you have to win the Sun Belt because I, me personally, I'd much rather you watch you in the NCAA tournament, but I don't think the WNIT is a sure thing at all. I mean, if you go Kiki Jefferson's career without an NCAA tournament appearance, big picture wise, it's going to feel disappointing. Like, I don't, I don't know how you spin that in a way that is like the season's a win. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know if you, if you go into this new league and you have one of the better teams, you have one of the better rosters. I don't, it's not like, you know, win the Sun Belt or bust. Cause like, I don't think anything would happen. Like, like what would the negative, you know what I mean? But it's, it's still one where it's like, at some point, you, you got to do it, something. You got to take advantage of an opportunity here. I know they had some really tough situations in terms of, uh, I don't want to hear it. Do not say COVID. COVID and all that. But the, the year by year history is even skipping a year, right? So it has, I don't think it has last year on there. Um, and what I'm looking at on the website. So they've gone, cause last year they weren't, weren't particularly great. Like last year, even if they have the, um, I don't think you can give them the men's basketball treatment where it's like, they lost all motivation, which I don't think the you men's also team can't, can really can't, get either. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't <laughs> give that to the men's team either. So it's When you get COVID where, in December and you're still citing that February 14th, no, 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 no. Right. So they were 14 and 15 last year. The year before they were 14 and 10. And then the year before that is when they were 25 and 4 and like, you know, had the weird like simulation that put them in the Sweet 16. Everyone was like, they made a Sweet 16. Raise the banner. Raise the banner. It was like, well, like, according to a computer. So they didn't actually do that, even though I really like that team. So the last couple of years, they've been pretty underwhelming, and it would be disappointing for them to to not at least make a run at it. Now, if they go into the finals and lose a competitive game, I'm not going to, like, freak out about it. But it's, I don't know. They have the the overall roster talent to win the Sun Belt. There's no doubt about that. We saw them. They went toe-to-toe with the best team in the Sun Belt and beat them. Yeah, I mean, they after watching that game, I was like, "That's the best Jamie's best team in the Sun Belt." I still think they are, but I, I also think, so. think they yeah. are capable of laying some massive eggs. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. So it's one where I think you got to at least look good in the Sun Belt tournament because they've had a, every now and then they have a conference tournament where it's like that ah, that did not look good. So I think well, they by need to... by every now and then, do you mean every year Coach O went to the CAA tournament or? Yeah, but the one I feel like the one the COVID they would have looked good, man. Computers were telling me Sweet Sixteen. The models, the models were saying that they made a lot of things happen. Okay, sure. Big week for them. They lost in the first round of the CAA tournament as like the one or two seed. That was an injury year. That was an injury. No, no, no. You can't jack up fifty threes. They're pretty healthy now, though. So no excuses here. Let's see something happen. All right. Speaking well, of laying eggs. Oh, God. Our third Twitter question as we go into spring sports. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a good one. You want from me to Gary? ask you or do you want to ask me? Oh, I'll ask you from because I think this one <laughs> is more exciting if you answer it. From Garrett Lamb. You may have covered it a bit in one of the previous podcasts. I actually don't think we covered this, which is why it's a good question. But what would you like to see from the baseball pro- program to deem them, you know, in quotes here, moving in the right direction? So last season, they finished one game above 500, right? In 2021, they finished six games below 500. In tw- We're going to discount 2020 because Bennett believes that no sports should count in the year of our Lord 2020 because of COVID. They mm-hmm. finished five games over 500 in 2019. In 2018, they finished 500. In 2017, they finished... 500 moving in the right direction would be winning more games than you lose. But like being like 10 games above 500, is that too much task? Can you win more series this season than you lose? Is that too much? Is it too much of me to ask not for a number one team in the Sun Belt? But for a competent baseball team that can put together wins and looks competitive in almost every game they play in. Is that is that too much to ask? You have guys who've gone to the Valley League, which is a top third summer league. Heck, I was talking to Dom earlier today about it. 
probably a top three overall summer league. You have guys going in the Valley and raking, and they come to JMU back from the summer, and they regress. And I know they're playing probably against better talent in the CAA, and they'll be playing better talent in the Sun Belt. But you, you got the talent. You got the dudes, man. Put together wins. Don't be 500. Yeah, I mean, I would I would echo those thoughts. I would say, like, <laughs> thanks. you kind of have to look – maybe I'm too high with the expectations. I feel like you have to look like a team that's, like, close to a Sunbelt contender or at least moving in that direction. I know that's not, like, a specific – But moving thing. in that direction. Like, I don't think you have to be there now, but I think it has to show that you're moving in that direction where I think a 500 season does not show me that. A 500 – I think it has to be very clear, though. Like – like really moving that direction because it's Eikenberry's what is it one two three four five six seven eighth season and I think he's 500 yeah it's his eighth season they've never finished better than fourth in conference play I don't expect them to do that in the Sun Belt I think they're picked to finish 10th or something so the expectations are not there or I don't even know if they were 10th 10th might be high I might be thinking of someone else I think it was 10th but they're they're not expected to be good and they kind of kind of have to be good like to be moving in the right direction you have to maybe i would say finish in the top half of the sun belt or at least put together some really competitive sun belt games and the schedule's hard they have some good non-conference teams but like i don't know why why play baseball in the sun belt if you aren't going to make an effort to uh to be competitive yeah and also with this schedule like you have some gimmies like you can front load some wins. You have your series at Florida State. You're pro- you're gonna get swept, so you're starting zero and three. But then after that, Mason, Cornell, George Washington, UMass Lowell, VMI, VCU, VCU is good. USC, Upstate, VMI again, and then you're in this conference play. There's not a reason you lose any of those series, and you don't lose. Any of those VCU's a weird Wednesday midweek after playing the day before at VMI at home. Um, no reason you don't lose more than two midweeks. Like early I mean, in the season? Yeah. I, I yeah. think you, you beat USC Upstate in a series. You beat UMass Lowell in a series. You beat Cornell. You beat George Mason. You beat George Washington. You beat VMI in both of your midweeks. And you probably lose both of your midweeks to VCU. That's how the season should go. To start, and then you're into Sunbelt play. Yeah, you got to kind of start hot and show some stuff. <laughs> Worth noting that, uh, or I guess here's a here's a question for you. What do you think Jeff Bourne views as moving in the right direction? Eikenberry's been on these weird one-year deals for like the last three years. This one's a two, I think. I said, let me double check. I think he got two with the last, with the last deal. I think yeah, I he got a two-year contract extension, so he threw the twenty twenty-four season. I think Bourne then doesn't see this as like a season. I think he's going to use like the next two seasons to evaluate. <laughs> I think the I think they would have to lose like seventy percent of the games for him to get for him to move on. What if they finish last in Sunbelt? Then I think, okay, I think he would do that. But, like, for Jeff Bourne to view it as a successful season, I think he just, like, looks at what he paid Marlon Eikenberry and views it as successful. Eikenberry is the lowest paid men's coach for sure, and I think he's a bottom three paid coach overall. It's only above, like, it's above, like, men's golf and tennis and stuff, but those, like, you can't even view those really half the time. Like, I don't even know, like golf, I literally don't think streams, right? So I, if you'd have to go to the tournament to watch them. So there's significantly more value, I think, to the overall athletic department. And I say this as a major golf podcast supporter, shout out to the women's golf team, picking up a match play victory this week. But in terms of like athletic department revenue and like fan interest, you're always going to have more with, um, with baseball, especially in the Sun Belt. So there's, there's, they're playing on ACC network. They are playing on a national television station on Saturday. Yeah. They're going to get swept, I think. They're going to get boat raced. 
But other spring sports also uh, bring a lot of hope and joy to a JMU fan's life. Like lacrosse. They are amazing. Uh, like every other spring sport. Softball. Eh, maybe not. Um, we got to talk softball briefly. Okay, hit me. Uh, I don't know, Jack. I'm disappointed in this opening weekend. 0-2, three games got rained out. Obviously, that's that's outside their control. I'm not upset about <laughs> no, the screw that. you got to play the games. <laughs> I'm upset about the rainouts. <laughs> but they, they lose to Chattanooga, 4-3, to competitive showing. Chattanooga is supposed to be a decent team. Indiana State's supposed to be bad from preseason like conference picks. They lose that game 2 to nothing. I was reading articles before the week about like the offense was like, oh, score three runs in two games a little concerned by that and i think like just to be frank with the program i am rooting incredibly hard for them because their last year was just horrible and tragic and the ending with laura Burnett's death is incredibly sad so like i hope they have an incredible year and figure some things out i'm putting out the the alarm bells ding 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 ding, ding for the the long-term Lauren Laporte status, to be honest with you. Like, I, I don't know what they've done the last couple of years to really make you think that what they accomplished under Mickey Dean in the very early Laporte era is sustainable. And I think that's something that no one really talked about, but it was like players that were recruited, if I'm not mistaken, by Mickey Dean. Odyssey was, I believe, the last class Mickey recruited plus the massive bonus of a COVID year, which was huge for that program. Like the year they started playing in the spring, they were like, okay, they would be good, but they were not going to make the women's call the world series. In my opinion, then they had a whole nother year to bring that entire team back. And they just seemed like very locked in. They all seemed like they took steps over that off season and they were phenomenal. And then you look at them now and it, they obviously lost a lot of talent because of the COVID year and things like that. But I mean, the, the depth isn't even close to like decent Mickey era teams in terms of lineup depth, pitching depth. Cause he had teams that would make regionals be competitive in a regional, maybe win that or lose in a super. And he kind of had them at that point every year where it sort of ebbed and flowed, but it wasn't just like Megan good or Jalen Ford or, or Odyssey or whatever. Like they had lineup depth, obviously with one ace pitcher and it feels like they haven't been able to sustain that really at all. Like there, there were no Mickey Dean teams sort of toward his peak that like you're going to get shut out to Indiana state. That's a game they're winning like via mercy rule in those peak years. So I'm, I'm a little concerned to be I, honest. I'd argue that every one of those games in the Charleston invitational, I know three of them got rained out, but like in the peak Mickey years slash like early Lauren Laporte era, their mercy ruling 75% of them. I mean, like Mickey, Mickey's records, 42 and 17, 45 and 15, 48 and 10, 50 and six, 52 and eight. I mean, that's insane. And then you look at like last year, just on field results, they were like a 500 team. And this year they look like that'll be similar, maybe worse because the competition's probably stepped up. So yeah, I have a, some, some legitimate questions. And I also I don't know exactly what her contract situation was, but wasn't she kind of like hanging on to the interim title for a really long time when she started? It was I something like that. that. They didn't give her a long-term deal for, I don't know. I just have a lot of questions about that program. I believe she was an interim her entire year, first year, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. It was, something, it was something weird. I don't know. I'm just, I have some legitimate questions and it's not like hit the panic button because they played two games three like they've had more games rained out than they played so it'd be weird to be like what's going on but at the same time i think you you can kind of tell when you watch a team early in a season of like yeah it's not it's not like uh oh wow you know a couple flukes and they're gonna go and like compete with alabama this year or oklahoma i mean it's, yeah they're not there so that's a little bit sad for me because i just i love the softball team so we'll see what happens the rest of the year but i've got my doubts i've got some real questions as you should as you should. Monitoring the situation. Let's just say that. We're monitoring the situation. Much like we were with the Chinese spy balloon. 
it's very similar to the what's happening in our skies. That's we'll make that our segment. What's happening in the skies? And over on the other side of the campus at Centera Park, Lacrosse lost fourteen to nine. Technically, it wasn't even on campus. It was at Chapel Hill. Lost fourteen to nine to UNC, the number one team in the country. Not a bad showing to lose fourteen mm-hmm. to nine. I think. I think that's very respectable. And I have high hopes for them. They start out, they play uh, they play Virginia Tech. That game is an hour into it at recording. So six when you're to listening. Five, Dukes at halftime. What was that? Jamie leads six to five at halftime. So big time for JMU in that one. When you're listening, you can check and see if JMU beat Virginia Tech. Then they go to UConn. To, they play in Sparks, Maryland, neutral site against UConn. And they're at high point on February 25th, my birthday, and then they're back at home for their first home game on March 1st against Maryland. So really fun schedule to start things off and a lot of hope around them. Uh, If you're watching this stream, you can watch that Virginia Tech game on ACC Network Extra. Absolutely. Anything else you got to add? Shout out Women's Golf one more time. Winning the Oyster Shuck Match Play Tournament. Pretty cool. Well, did, there. Do you want to hear a, a fun fact about that? Oh, yeah. The last seven winners of the Oyster Shuck Invitational have gone on to win the national championship. <laughs> completely wrong. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Breaking news. But I love them. We had Tommy Baker on the podcast, I guess, last year. No, maybe it was two years ago. It was a while ago. You got to bring him back on. We got to bring him back on. Head coach for them. They're rolling. We love that group. Shout out to them for... We're making some waves so i'm excited to see how some things shake out spring sports wise but we're also monitoring the skies and we will we continue to monitor our skies and protect we'll them how we see fit keep your eyes fixed to the north or the south depending on where you are maybe the east maybe the west and yep. we'll be sending up smoke signals after every jamie softball game saying how uh how dire the situation is four minute gone then my name is jack fitzpatrick you guys have a wonderful rest of your day see ya listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.